Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. If you have a Bible and if you're uh, paper tree oriented, you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to be looking into it. At the beginning of the year, we had a, a, a verse for the years. What kind of people ought we to be uh, out of one of the letters that uh, Peter wrote? And it's like, all these things are changing. All these things are passing away as Peter was writing to this society in that time. And he said, all this is going to go away. Now, in light of that, what kind of people ought we to be? And so it's in, in keeping with that, again, it's people this morning, people of trust, people of tru- uh, peace and trust. And it's an option that we have. And the message title this morning that I have is Decisions, Decisions, Decisions. Uh, so much of our life is based on the choices we make, decisions we make. And so often as we, we run through this hurried life that we have, we find ourselves in situations that we never dreamt we would ever be in. And many times it's because we don't stop and think, what am I doing what am I entering into? This person asked me to do this. Uh, this opportunity came to me. What kind of decision am I going to make? To stop and think, where am I and where is the Lord in this? So I'm going to read out of John 6, 16 to 24. If I, just want, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to help me. He's already helping you already, but I, I want his help. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in full measure, resonant to bring light, to bring heaven, to bring the way you think, your economy, your values. So we submit to you now. I open my heart now to hear your voice, all of us that we would hear your voice, Holy Spirit, for me. Lord, I don't, I don't want to be thinking, oh, I hope Susan's listening. I hope Billy's listening. This is so good for him. Lord, it's for me. I want to change. I, I want to be uh, just like you in every way. So Holy Spirit, help me. Work with me. Change me, Lord, into your image more fully. Amen and amen. John chapter 6, verse 16 to 24, reading out of the NIV. The word of God says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set across the lake Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. This is a story uh, accounted in, in different gospels. 
It's a fabulous story, an awesome story. Over the years here, I have spoken uh, more than once on this story. But I was, I was speaking with a friend of mine probably three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, and he was talking about this, and something just kind of came alive in me. And I've been, I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. I said, Lord, I, I, I see you, I hear you. I want, I want to live my life, the rest of my days, making great decisions, godly decisions, honest decisions, beautiful decisions. Because many of us, let's just say in this room, many of us, just say three, are over 40 years old. (laughs) Just three of us, and you don't have to raise your hands. We will guess. We will guess who you are. And let's just say that those three people, and I'm going to count myself as one, so you two, you T-W-O, you two people. You could probably look back over to your life and think maybe there was a decision, just one, because we, do, we don't make bad decisions. Maybe there was just that one decision that really cost us in life. And if only I hadn't made that choice. The consequence is so great and at times so grave. But as we recount and look back, oh, I wish I hadn't made that decision. Now, if you're 39 and down, you'll never make a bad decision because you have opportunity in front of you. You've heard from us, the three people here this morning that are here as gifts to you, to never, ever, ever make a bad choice in your life. I understand sarcasm is thick. John chapter 6. It's a powerful story. It's dark, it's stormy. It's pitch black. They can't see. The wind is howling. And the situation looks something like this. Just want to pull just a few points out of it just to remind us of the situation. My first point of the situation is why is Jesus not in the boat? And why did they leave without him? Why would you do that? Now, we, we have the opportunity of living a couple thousand years later and looking back on it, duh, <laughs> we see fully what he is and who he is now. But these are 12 knuckleheads. Well, maybe nine knuckleheads and three amazings. But why would you go anywhere if he's right there? Why would you go anywhere without him? What's so great about the other side? Is there a Dairy Queen on the other side? Their favorite Thai restaurant on the other side? The only Chick-fil-A in the entire county is on the other side. What would cause someone to jump in a boat and cross eight miles of water without him when he's available? Why would you do that? Why, why would you get into a boat if the Messiah is right there? What would cause you, what decision could be so important that would cause you to go somewhere without him? Doesn't say that. Second thing in the situation, obviously verse 17 says, it's dark outside. And I don't know about you, but sometimes at times, sometimes worry, anxieties can happen more at nighttime when it's dark outside. Maybe when your head hits the pillow, it just seems like for me, and I know for some people, That's when I'm reminded of things coming, looming. Things in my past, things coming. 
In the daytime, it's bright, it's happy, Chick-fil-A's down the road. What could go wrong? But when it's dark, it seems like sometimes our minds can make things a lot bigger. And we can dwell on things we probably shouldn't be dwelling on. But it's dark and they can't see. Third thing. So first, why is Jesus not in the boat? Second thing, it's dark. Third thing, a strong wind, the Bible says. A strong wind was blowing and the water grew rough. Verse 18. It's wet. They're struggling. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're tired. They're afraid. They're disappointed. And they're discouraged. I know so often when we're struggling in life, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's one of the most powerful things, ugly things in life is discouragement. It's so, so powerful, so crippling at times. It's literally the loss of courage, the losing of courage. My favorite movie, and don't judge me, don't judge me. It's not Cinderella. You can relax. My favorite movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. Jesus, I think Jesus wrote it. I don't, I don't know. But I love it. I only watch it once a year because I cry too much. My emotions are just, you know. It's such, it's just, oh. But the very beginning of the movie, they're talking about, it's a picture of heaven and one star and another star and, and don't worry about the theology of it. But God's speaking to Clarence, an angel, and he's telling the angel Clarence who's trying to get his wings and uh, he's in the Air Force. And he's trying to get his wings, hasn't got his wings yet. And so God's going to send an angel down to encourage George Bailey. And he's going through, a, uh, this man's in serious trouble, problem. And so Clarence is guessing, what's the problem? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And the Lord keeps telling the angel Clarence, it's worse, it's worse, it's worse. And the worst thing is, he's discouraged. And it just, just the power of discouragement. And so often when I make poor choices, discouragement is the result. Fourth thing, they've rowed three or four miles in a boat, in a storm, and they're only halfway there. Only halfway, it's an eight-mile lake. They've been going for a long time, and they're only halfway there. Fifth thing, even though they saw Jesus, it's, it's, it's so funny the way the Bible phrases things. Finally, Jesus is there. But when they saw him, their fear only increased. Verse 19 says, they saw Jesus approaching the boat. Should be, yes, okay. They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. <laughs> you would think you should be happy, right? Other, other uh, accounts of this story and other gospels says they thought it was a ghost. <laughs> not the Holy Ghost, a ghost. So they're not doing well, and now when they see him, now they're scared. Six, it's impossible. Nobody walks on water. I can't believe what I'm seeing. They're probably from Missouri. <laughs> Show me state. Never mind. It's okay. It's impossible. This can't be happening. Nobody walks on water. It's freaky. It's weirding them out. But the Bible tells us this. After, 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 and only after, 
Jesus spoke to them. Then the Bible says, then they were willing to let him in the boat. Only after Jesus spoke, the scripture says, then they're willing to have him in. Before that, this is freaking me out. They're not willing for him to get into the boat, which seems crazy. Why would you not want Jesus to get into your boat? Do they see a ghost? Do they think he's a pirate? Do they think he's a Chicago cub? There's lots of reasons not to let somebody into your boat. But they were not willing to let him in. That's what the Bible says. Until they heard what? His voice. When they heard his voice. I'm not going to trust my eyes. But when they heard his voice. Come on in. It's you. It's you. It's you. I'm not going to trust my eyes. But the voice changed everything. It's distinct. It identifies who he is. It's unique. I told a story a couple of times, but a few weeks ago, my, I was lost in the Rocky Mountain, Sandia Mountain Range in Albuquerque. And when I heard my dad's voice, everything changed. I was talking to my wife today, well, yesterday also. Well, a lot recently. We talk. Not going there. And Randy, Randy was talking about her dad, who I had the privilege of knowing for probably 30, 35 years. He's gone to be with the Lord now. Beautiful man, amazing man, a man of peace. And uh, Randy was just talking about when she heard her dad's voice, she knew she was safe. Whatever the situation was, trouble at school, trouble with the car, trouble, when she heard her dad's voice, she knew he would protect her. He only had good in store for her, cared for her, and peace and calm came into my wife's heart when she heard her daddy's voice. Changed everything. Now you have to remember in this situation where they're three to four miles across the lake and they're rowing and Jesus is not with them. They had just come from one of the biggest, most amazing, most jaw-dropping miracles of all of Jesus' ministry. They had just taken two fish, five loaves from a little boy and fed 5,000 men, 15 to 20,000 people. And Jesus didn't do it. It says he gave thanks. And then he said to the disciples, you go do it. And the disciples themselves distributed the bread and the fish. So they were there handing it out. They saw, they experienced. They had just come off of that experience. Jesus, who does this? It's amazing. And yet they chose, made a decision for whatever reason to get into a boat without him. Doesn't say, I'm not allowed to speculate. I have my own thoughts. But the bottom line is this, they got into a boat without Jesus. Now if you're them, you would have thought at this point, I'm not gonna go anywhere without Jesus. He's right there, I'm not gonna go anywhere. With him, I'm cool. Amazing things happen. I'm safe when Jesus is with me. And my question for myself, maybe that you could ponder and muse on, is why do I do some of the things I do? Why do I make some of the choices that I do? Why do I do them? 
They made a choice. They made a decision. Why do I do some of the things I do? Why do I make some of the decisions of, on my own? Well, I would, I would never make a decision on my own. I would always ask Jesus. Always. I would always get Jesus' opinion before I do anything. I'm a Christian. Really? Always? Have you ever made a decision that didn't work out the way you thought it would in your life as a Christian? Have you ever entered an agreement, made a business decision, entered into a relationship that as you looked at it in hindsight, you're like, maybe the Lord didn't actually tell me to do that. Maybe I made a poor decision. Maybe I was listening for what I wanted to hear. Maybe I never bothered. I was so excited, so enamored with whatever. I just made a decision on my own. Anybody ever do that here? Because you know it wasn't the Lord because afterwards it didn't work. And I don't think Jesus ever, 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 ever tells you to make a bad choice in a decision. Ever. So I can't ever blame Jesus for something that didn't work out right. Somehow he wasn't in the boat on my decision. And it's so easy to judge these 12 guys and think, why would you ever? I do it. But can I learn? Maybe sometimes I make less than stellar decisions. Maybe sometimes I make less than the best decisions. And then consequences happen. Not judgment, because the Lord's not like that. But consequences happen as a result of poor decisions. John 6.21 again. John 6.21. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Then they were willing when they heard his voice. Which presupposes that before that, I don't know who that is, what that is. I don't want him in the boat. Whatever that is out there, I don't want that. But they heard his voice and then they're willing to take him into the boat. Willing. What a funny word, willing. Immediately, it says they went to the other side. Immediately, miraculously, they're on the other side. It's the end of straining. It's the end of darkness. And my question for me is, am I willing to invite Jesus into the boat with me when I'm in distress, when I'm in poor choice, and now it's obvious to me? Lord, I want the end of fighting the storms and the darkness. I don't need to elaborate on Rem, uh, all the people who are working remote, the loss of careers, the loss of uh, jobs, the altering of money, chaos in society, uh, the political things that have happened this year. There's a lot of people in distress, a lot of people scratching their heads, a lot of people wondering what's going on. A lot of people sick. And they cause many of us, many of us, many of us distress. Well, that doesn't bother me. How much you've been talking about politics? How nervous am I about catching the virus? And I did not want to catch the virus. I, I caught the virus. But where am I at in my distress? Where am I at in my faith? Where am I at in my heart? How much am I rowing a boat when the storms are blowing? Right now, in my finances, in relationships, with my family members that I so love. And it seems like I'm rowing and I'm not getting anywhere. So I want to ask myself, where is the Lord right now? Is he just outside in this situation? In this situation, only, only this situation, have I invited Jesus 
willingly into my boat in the midst of this challenge that I'm having, whether it's with my son, my daughter, my finances, my health, my job. Is Jesus right here in the boat with me? Because if Jesus is in the boat with me, I'm at peace. It changes everything. The atmosphere of the boat has peace and faith and hope. Jesus, as far as the scripture says, never said to the disciples in this situation, if you invite me in, I'll immediately get you to the other side. Jesus didn't say that. He simply said, it's me. That's it. There was no promise. You're going to get to the other side. No more straining or rowing. Do you want me in the boat? Never said it. Simply said, it's me. Then they said, ah, I want you in. If you invite me in, the storms will stop. Jesus never said that. Do you want me in the boat? The question is, do I willingly want him with me? Because it does change the situation. Because if Jesus is in the boat, I'm no longer in control. I no longer get to dictate what's happening. I no longer get to do what I want to do. Because when Jesus is in the boat, he is Lord. And what if he tells me something I don't want to hear? What if he says, sell it all? Well, he would never do that. Where's your Bible? See, when Jesus is in the boat, he's in charge. When Jesus is in the boat, says, no, you go to her, and you tell her, will you forgive me? Well, she hurt me. That's not the way Jesus works. Sorry, I want to have my hands on my hips. When Jesus is in the boat, he tells me to do stuff all the time I am not comfortable with. I want you to go serve with those people. Well, it's not safe there. If Jesus is in the boat, what could go wrong? Well, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, they're different than me. If Jesus is in the boat, he's in charge and I'm not. It's so, at times, so uncomfortable because it's the loss of control. And sometimes we want to navigate things in the way we want to navigate, if we're honest. But when he's in the boat, he's in charge. And he typically, all the time, invariably asks me to do things that are uncomfortable. Why? Because he wants me outside of myself, reaching community, reaching people, reaching places that I wouldn't go on my own. And that's what Lord means, capital L. He's in charge and I'm not. And these guys, whether they're going to go to a kosher Chick-fil-A, they want to get there. I want to get there. So often, decisions, it's all about who's in control, me or him. Well, I'm lonely. I feel, Lord, what do you say about this relationship? Well, I'm lonely. and I Make great decisions, great choices. If he's in charge, if he's in control, I can be at peace. Well, it's not logical. Why would he have me do that? It doesn't make any difference to my natural mind. When he tells me to do something, it's yes, Lord. I don't understand. Even Ezekiel 37, going into a valley full of dry bones and speak to the bones. Well, nobody does that. I know. But Jesus tells me to do stuff that doesn't make sense, not logical, outside of my peace zone. Well, what if somebody sees me? Yeah, I know. What if somebody sees you being all goofy, being extreme? But when Jesus steps into the boat, everything changes. It's the end of struggle. It's the end of storm. It's the end of fighting. Lord, with my decisions, 
I don't, I don't know how or where I left you out of this area of my life, but I'm in distress. I'm in dispeace. I'm willingly asking, come back in to this area that I can hear your voice that changes everything. Everything. So what do I do with this? How do I go forward? I have typically a, a GBH great, but how? At the end, I... Uh, I get at times frustrated. I, I love hearing inspirational messages, love it. Um, but at the end of it, I'm always like, how do I apply this? So we try and finish most of the times we speak on Sundays with a great, but how? Great, how do I do that? So this, this morning for us, the Bible says, then they were willing to let him into the boat, verse 21. What does willing, my question for me in our application this morning, what does willing look like? in my situation, with my finances, with my health, with my relationships, with my future. What does willing look like? What does it sound like? What does it act like? First application point. I'm in distress. Or I know, I know, I know I'm not doing what I should be doing in this area. I know I'm not. But, mm, Lord, how do I willingly Invite Jesus into areas of my life where I know it's, it's not right. But what do I do? The first thing is, put the oars down. In your boat, put the oars down. Stop paddling in the same direction that got you into trouble. Stop. Put the oars down. Admit, I need help. I'm not quitting, Lord, but I do recognize my frustration. It's not working. What I'm doing isn't working. I'm going to stop heading that direction. I need help. I'm saying, please help me. I can't do this. Very simple, but that's where it starts. So often we get into further and further and further problem and situations because I'm still rowing in the same direction. Stop and tell them I need help. Second application point. In so many situations, and this is probably one of the biggest things for me, not for you, for me. In so many situations, I have to admit, I am the problem. I'm the problem. Can you imagine you got 12 dudes in the boat? Well, why didn't you invite him? I thought you were going to invite him. Who, who missed him? Stop blame shifting. So often in life, the real issue is just owning the situation. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I'm the problem. I'm, those words would never come out of your mouth, but they do come out of mine. Maybe I'm part of the problem. Maybe the problem with my son is me. Not him. Maybe what he needs to hear is other things coming out of my mouth. Well, you should be. You. What if, what if the issue with my daughter is actually me? I'm, I mean, I'm talking me, not you. Me. What if the problem with my health is actually me? I can't blame the scale. You stupid scale, you're way off. <laughs> Liar! Probably made in China. I need an American scale. Amen. American made, baby. Maybe the problem is me. Instead of blaming everybody around me and everything around me, maybe I need to own some decisions I've made. 
Maybe I shouldn't have started out without you. Maybe I was wrong. And, and it, how many marriages would change if we just had that on our lips? Maybe it's me. And that's not hoping that they'll say, oh, no, it's actually, no. You actually mean it. I think the problem is me. And I need, I need to do what I can do. I need to admit I should have asked Jesus in. The beautiful word that Jesus loves is the oxygen of heaven. It's the speech. It's the dialect of heaven. It's simple humility. Simple humility. Lord, I was wrong. I may be wrong. In 2012, my wife and I were living in St. Louis. We were uh, helping in a church situation. Uh, I was very frustrated. And I, I, I decided I am tired of my job. I'm tired of the people I'm working with. Uh, it's just a un... It's not making me happy. And Lord knows I need to be happy. Anybody want to be happy? In my job, I was not happy. So I made a decision to go to talk, talk to somebody about it. And there was this amazing church in St. Joseph, Missouri. Big church, nine acres of property, everything's paid for, they need a pastor, and weird thing is they actually wanted us. Go figure. And in my frustration, we had several meetings, I accepted the job. They were talking about benefits, this plan, that plan, salary, blah, blah, blah. Great opportunity. And I so wanted to do it. And so what I said to the man offering me the position, I said, yes, I'm moving to Kansas City, just north of it. Yes. And as I, <laughs> as I was driving home, the Lord said, so do you want me to come with you or... how are you feeling about this move? We could talk if you want. And the Lord, and not in an audible voice, not, but on the inside, I, the Lord just spoke something really simple to me. I told you to go to St. Louis. I didn't tell you to go to Kansas City. It's a great job opportunity. It takes me out of my frustration into what I want to do. And the Lord says, I, I sent you to St. Louis. What are you doing going to Kansas City? Now, fortunately, that all happened before I put the house on the market and moved to Kansas City. Because I have made decisions where I've ended up in a, a Kansas City of situations. I have been down that road. So I had to go back to the people, the leader, and say, I really want to work with you, but the Lord has other ideas. And he was not happy. Broke a relationship. And so often poor decisions end up doing that, breaking relationships and causing pain that was undue. And it's a simple thing. It was, Lord, what do you think about this before I jump in? A really poor decision. It can be a job. Poor decision can be a relationship. It can be an investment, a partnership, Poor decisions about my health, my finances, a lifestyle choice. Maybe a personality flaw that's godly or unlovely. Poor decisions. Debilitating or unhealthy mindsets, poor decisions. Get angry, frustrated, attitudes, poor decisions. Allowing unhealthy influence that affects my mind or heart, 
addictions, poor decisions, just simple laziness, being critical, poor decisions. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I need you in my boat. I'm sorry for the direction I'm headed. I own it. I was wrong. Please help me. Please forgive me. That's the second thing. Just own it. Third thing, third and last. First is put the oars down. Stop where I'm headed. Second is own. Maybe I have made some poor choices. And in humility, asking the Lord to forgive me. Third is, at this point, just be willing to listen to his voice. Be willing to listen to his voice changes everything. So my question for me, maybe for you is, what are you listening to? I found so many people, I won't say Christians, so many people are listening to so many different things. Whether it's Facebook, news, media, Fox News, uh, CNN, whatever, uh, stuff on the internet. So many people are listening to so many different voices. And I hear so many believers in distress. Anxious, angry, frustrated, uptight. Why? Because they're listening to stuff that caused them internal distress. So my question for me, for you, is who are you listening to? What are you listening to? And if the end result, if the end result is fear, anxiety, anger, depression, discouragement, stop the voices. Step away from whatever I'm listening to that is not the voice of heaven. This world is full of voices, full of opinions. And if they're causing inner turmoil, there's, there's my indicator. There's my, my green light. Is it causing peace or is it causing blessing and godliness? My other choices, anxiety, fear, depression. What am I listening to? Who am I listening to? His voice changes the atmosphere. Fear, discouragement, wet, dark. Now, I hear his voice. The last verse is John 10, 27. Beautiful passage. We all know the passage. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Invite Jesus back into that situation. Maybe Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas, those, those strained relationships are gonna be right in full, full blown view. Lord, I'm gonna stop with my frustration Stop. Maybe I am the problem. And Lord, I, I willingly invite you in. You're in charge. I want to hear your voice. I, I want faith and peace. I want to make great decisions from this point out. Can you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you for your kind intention towards me. I thank you that you only want to bring me peace. You only want to bring me hope. You only want to take me to the other side where there's safety. So Lord, I, I willingly stop, I pause, I step back, and I want to hear you. All the other voices, be silenced. But Lord, what is your voice saying? I choose peace, my decision is you, and I willingly invite you into my situation, whatever it is. Health, finance, relationship, future, I want to do what you want me to do, even if it's not logical, even if it rubs me the wrong way. I want to do what you want me to do. I willingly, happily invite you into this situation. Father, I thank you for peace. I thank you that you love these people. I thank you that you love me, that you're for me, you're for us. So Holy Spirit, this morning we say we choose you. 
Our ears are open, our hearts are open. Speak and we will follow. Willingly, willingly, we choose you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Be blessed, be encouraged, have an amazing week. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.